Good morning, everyone. Welcome to church. It is good to be with you uh, today in God's house. Um, man, I'm, I'm like crying over there during the music. That's a bad sign for what's probably about to happen. So uh, before we get into the word in Mark, I just want to say um, in the last number of months, we've added 80 volunteers to our kids ministry. And I just... That is just amazing. And, and additional, uh, additionally, we uh, are in a season where there's been a, a flat line on some budget items. And so there were needs down there that, that we didn't have budget to, to accommodate, like around new toys and some furniture and things like that. KDOC, our kids pastor, sent an email out to parents in, in the church. And I just watched like piles of boxes coming in. You people are so generous. Um, you're so bought into this. And I just want to say, we want to say, we, we are just so grateful uh, for what the Lord is doing. Um, we know that you experience your own kind of Mary and Joseph moment on a regular basis where there's no room for your kids in the end. You know, you go down there, if you show up a little late, they just tell you to take your humans and because we run out of space, we know that that can be really frustrating and that it can be really stressful. Uh, we also know God's doing something really cool down there. And I just want to say that with our participation together, you all are making that place an amazing place. Uh, so thank you from the bottom of our hearts. God's doing something really special. I also know that as more and more of us participate, we're going to be able to make more and more room to accommodate the growth and the things that the Lord is doing in our lower building with all the kids. Uh, but I just want to say what a gift. 80 more of you and all the stuff that has come in from parents just means the absolute world uh, to our team, just knowing that we're all in this together. So thank you. I'm going to read verses 31 to 38. Uh, we're going to look at um, a moment in the life of Jesus uh, that, that I think is actually really, really important as it relates to Jesus and as it relates to us as humans who are trying to figure Jesus out unsuccessfully most of the time. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But he took, uh, took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. And he called the crowd with his disciples and he said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves. Take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, we ask you to give us grace to listen to Jesus today. We pray, God, that we would hear you I pray also that you would give us courage today to uh, look at Peter. Help us to stand next to Peter, not far from him. God, I pray that you would help us to understand the, the reality that we all face as humans when we feel confused and when we feel afraid. 
And I pray, God, that you would give us an invitation today to be not only real and honest about that, but also to hear you, Jesus, in the midst of things that are maybe very disorienting. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. It is the nature of God to know where he is going. It is the nature of people to have no idea. I've said this before and I'll say it again. I think we're like my dog, Jolene. Uh, she's largely unaware of the particulars of life and yet grateful when we're near her. And so we're going to look at Jesus today, and we're going to also look at what it means to be humans who are trying to live our lives and trying to follow Jesus and yet feeling confused and stressed out sometimes as we endeavor to do that. And there are only really three things that I'm going to say, and we're going to tackle them one at a time. Number one, Jesus redirects his friends. The very beginning of this passage tells us, uh, gives us a context clue. The very beginning says, he then began. So whenever you see a he then, you should look back for context. And some of what's going on in terms of context regarding the friends of Jesus is that things are going really well. Um, Jesus is like gaining notoriety and there's like a real sense of power and a real sense of a spiritual authority. And the disciples are probably thinking in some way like, this is going pretty, this is good. Uh, and it's good to be with Jesus because like if he's going somewhere really great, like we're probably going to go somewhere really great with him. And it's telling to me that in this passage, Jesus then begins to say to them like, wait a minute, guys. Like it's not going to be quite as straightforward as you imagine. And we're so much like the disciples sometimes, you know, it's like we, we hope that things are just going to be easier than they are. I mean, that's like my whole life. I'm always hoping it's going to be easier. I remember Back when we had to buy Ikea furniture, you know, you're always hoping it's going to be easier to put that thing together and then you get into it and it's not easy. That's a picture of life. And the disciples here are starting to maybe imagine, you know, maybe this is going to be pretty awesome. Maybe we're not going to have to face so much adversity. Maybe, maybe Jesus is going somewhere really great and we're going to go somewhere really great with him, you know, like sit down next to him in a really cool place. And when Jesus senses that they're missing it, he redirects them. And I think that it's really important for all of us to be willing to be redirected. I mean, at the end of the day, I think that one of the great commitments we can make to God as we live our lives is to be teachable. And, and sometimes it's circumstances that teach us. Sometimes it's, and it, all, it must be, if we're Christian, it must be the words of Jesus, the words of the scripture that teach us. But I just want to say this to you, you will inevitably get off track. We all do. I, I think it's just in our bones. It's like we don't get it, you know, and we're always kind of thinking it should be this way and then life will sort of make you go down this road. And I just want to say like, let Jesus continue to invite you into a kind of recalibrated understanding. And I, I, for me, at least, I, I try to embody that through a posture of submission and obedience, like a, a coming under versus like a getting ahead. And we're going to talk about this in a minute because Peter kind of wanted to get ahead of Jesus and Jesus wanted him to get behind him. He wanted him to follow him. 
And I just want to say to you and me that like, it's just going to happen for you. You're going to be confused sometimes. You're going to think things should go one way and they're going to start going another way. And I want to invite you to be open to that, to allow the Lord to redirect your path. Because it's hard. It's hard to be receptive. It's hard to, to, to let Jesus tell us this is going to be harder than you thought. So the second thing that happens in the story is that Peter takes Jesus aside and he tries to redirect Jesus. And the, the picture that you have here is that like Jesus is with his friends and, and Peter just pulls him aside and he begins to dress him down. Uh, and the word in the, in the Bible for what Peter does here is actually a really p- painful word. It's not, it's not redirect is really not a fair word. He, when he rebukes Jesus, it's the same language in the Greek New Testament for like when Jesus would rebuke demons. I mean, he's like coming after Jesus. And the temptation for us is to, in a moment like this, like put a little bit of, like move away from Peter. Be like, whew, that's bad. Just like we want to move away from Peter when he denies Jesus three times, you know? Um, just like we want to move away from Peter when he gets out of that boat and he starts to falter and, and, and sink. And I just want to say to you that, that the invitation today is to stand next to Peter. It's not to be far away from him. Because what Peter's doing in this moment as he pulls Jesus aside is he's basically just saying, what you just said is really confusing to me and I'm scared right now. (laughs) And like what happens in life when we hear something that we don't like or when life starts to throw a curveball at us that we don't like, you know, it's human nature to say, I'm confused, my expectations aren't being met, and I'm afraid. And I think that's exactly what's going on in Peter right now. I think that he's confused. I think his expectations aren't being met, and I think he's scared. And I just want you to try to find that in yourself. I just want you to try to find that because that's a human thing. Like, that's really human. Peter's like, wait a minute, I thought, I thought I was... I thought I was signed up for this and that it was going to be awesome. But then more than that, he's like, Jesus, I just thought that you were going to take us down this road. And now you're telling us that because there's an implicit thing here that if Jesus is saying, like, I'm going to go down some dark roads, he's basically saying to his friends, like, you're going to go down some dark roads. And Peter's just like, that's not, I don't like that. (laughs) Like today, I know that some of you are putting your feet down a dark road. And I don't have to be your your counselor to know that. I just know that because we're a room full of people. And Peter acts out because he's he's scared. And it's wrong. What, What he does is not appropriate behavior. I mean, pulling Jesus out of a crowd and rebuking him like you'd rebuke the devil, like that's not good. I it's not good behavior. And yet it's In a way, it's understandable behavior. I actually think confusion and expectations and fear, I think those are like three of the main battlegrounds for all of us. I just think those are three of the places where if I'm not careful, I get off track. And I think you do too. Those are the places where if we're honest enough, 
we begin to kind of try to redirect God. Like, wait a minute. I'm not so sure. He's basically saying, how could it be this way? Peter's off balance. He's confused. He's afraid. And then what happens in this moment is sort of like, you know, you just imagine like the friends are here. Peter pulls him aside. He's doing this. And then the text tells us Jesus looks at his friends and he, rebu he rebukes Peter. And I think there's a couple of things going on here. The, the rebuke of, of Peter is not a shaming rebuke because Peter hangs in there. He, he stays with Jesus. I think that in, in one way and on one level, Jesus is looking at Peter and he's saying, you're speaking out of fear right now and out of confusion. And in that confusion, Peter's doing what people do. He wants to get in front of Jesus and lead. And so on one level, Jesus is looking at Peter and he's saying, you need to get behind me and follow me. Like he actually uses that language at the end, right? Pick up your cross and follow me. On another level, Jesus is rebuking the Satan of hell. He's rebuking the adversary and he's saying, you will be vanquished and, and, and you will get behind me in a way that is uh, the demonic doesn't lead. Fear doesn't lead. Fear gets behind. So there's a lot going on in this statement. But what Jesus is doing is he looks at a person who's trying to redirect him and he says, actually, you need to get behind and you need to surrender and you need to, to follow. At the same time, he's saying to the devil of hell, you're not going to get the last word here. And the last thing that I think we see in this passage, and this is so important, is Jesus invites Peter and us to surrender. I mean, he says, before the cross, mind you, he says, if any want to become my followers. So again, remember, follower now is being reframed. If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross. Before the cross, Jesus says, pick up the cross and follow me. He asked Peter in this moment, and he asked you, and he asked me, like when life goes in a direction that feels really disorienting and really scary, would you still be willing to follow? Like, you know, we live under this this myth that we're in control and you know as long as things are going pretty well like you can believe that but like you get a diagnosis or a relationship goes weird a, a darkness descends on you and your walk with god a job feels confounding when something like that happens it's like it just clarifies what's always true which is that you're not in control we're not in control and yet we want to be because we want to sort of make something be better than what we're worried that it is and i'll never forget listening to david brooks um, new york times columnist and he gave a lecture in 2016 at the chicago humanities festival and it's out there on youtube i would just encourage you to google it it's like one of the most powerful hours i've ever heard in terms of someone giving a talk and one of the things that he says in that is that suffering can be redemptive that suffering according to brooks can carve out like really deep places inside of us and yet we resist it we're afraid of it like we we fight it with everything we have he said, but suffering can make something happen inside you that carves out a deep reservoir that makes you more capable to meet people and to be present 
And I'm not asking you to be a masochist. But we are in the Lenten season, and I do have a skull in my hands. You know, I, I'm asking you to recognize that the invitation maybe in front of each and every one of us as we live our lives is to increasingly surrender a control that we do not have in the first place. Will you follow Jesus? That's the question. Will you follow him when you're afraid? Will you follow him when you're confused? And I think that in that question, there's this invitation. It's like, will I learn how to trust him? And trust is not just a decision that we make in our heads. I, I think trust is something we practice. Like every time I don't get my own way, Every time I don't feel heard, every time I don't feel safe and secure and choose to show up anyway before God and with my people, I'm practicing trust. And I think that there's like little practices that then make us more capable to engage as a lifestyle, a posture of trust. And this has got me to thinking about self-preservation because I actually think that that's a big part for Peter of what was making it hard for him. And I think it's a big part of what makes life hard for all of us is that in one way or another, we're prone to like self-preservation. There's a, a nonprofit in, in, I think they're a nonprofit, I don't know. Uh, there's a group in Atlanta called Giant and they do like leadership development and stuff like that. I, I think they're a nonprofit. They, they have a toolkit and, and in one of their toolkits, they have this self-preservations, uh, a self-preservation assessment where you ask a few questions and, and you try to answer them. And to get it like where self-preservation is at play in you, they ask these questions like, what are you afraid of losing? What are you trying to prove? Man, I think Peter is afraid of losing a lot. I think maybe he was trying to prove some stuff to himself, to, to Jesus, to whomever. And I just want to encourage you to like be courageous about that, to ask those questions around where is self-preservation at play in me? That's what we're going to do in a few minutes when, when we get quiet. We're going to hold those questions and put them before God because that's probably where the Lord wants to meet you. It's like, what are you afraid of losing? What are you trying to prove? Jesus is always wanting to get at that question, I think, to teach us to trust. Let's put this prayer up. Um, this is... Uh, for those of you in the, in the recovery world, the serenity prayer is most of us only know um, the first sentence of the serenity prayer. But it's a longer prayer, and I would encourage you to take a picture and to begin to pray this prayer. This is how I'm learning to live in the middle, in the liminal space, in the uncertainty, is to pray this prayer all the time. Because all of life is about learning how to say, what do I do when things don't go exactly like I thought they were going to go? And how do I keep showing up? And how do I allow Jesus to lead versus me trying to lead him? And I just love the language. After the familiar bit, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. Taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will. And here it is, y'all, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Listen, y'all, let's start aiming for reasonably happy. 
God have mercy on us, right? We're just like Peter. I think actually, one day I'm probably going to do a big study on this. I think Peter gives us permission to be humans. I, I think Peter is really, really important. <laughs> and he's given us permission now to like lose the plot and then let Jesus help us to find the plot again. So let's be still and let's hold this question. Go, let's go back. To, let's go to the question. What are you afraid of losing? What's at play? What's at stake for you right now? What are you trying to prove? That'll get it, the trust question. So we're going to be still just for a few moments, and then we're going to come to communion. We're going to prepare our hearts. But I want us to just hold this and be still. And again, if you're into journaling, this is an opportunity for you to carry some of these questions through the week. Let's be still for a few moments.